there's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux! Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. We are happy to have you here listening. It's Monday, January 23rd. Or, uh, as we're recording this, it's actually uh, Sunday, January 22nd. But you are listening either on the 23rd or later. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, glad you tuned in here. UMFM 101.5 in Winnipeg. Download the show as a podcast. Take it anywhere you go. Listen on the road. Uh, When you're out walking your dog. uh, When you're hitting the ODR on a sunny... Uh, Winnipeg morning what have you um, it's episode it's season five episode 14 this episode we are going to call the Wickenheiser as in Doug Wickenheiser the former first overall pick in 1980 uh, the last first overall pick that Montreal had before this recent draft where they drafted Yuri Slavkovsky uh, it's co-host Tom here, and I am with, as always, co-host Randy. Uh, Randy Yukon, as we've been calling him lately, uh, as he has returned from the Great White North. Uh, Randy, how you doing today, buddy? Doing good. It's a beautiful, sunny day here in Winnipeg. I'm not in Yukon anymore, although Yukon wasn't sunny. It was still The weather was nice. I was kind of bracing myself for maybe some minus 25s and some you know, cracked hands from, <laughs> yeah, from fil- filming in the, in the cold with no gloves on or small uh, gloves or whatever. But no, it turned out to be a great Yukon experience. And here we are, like you mentioned, I'm sure there's a few folks hitting the outdoor rinks this morning in Winnipeg because it's a beautiful Sunday morning, just like No Doubt's head. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll have to play a little No Doubt later in the show. Uh, later in the show, we do have a... a, a no- a recurring segment with our uh, good friend Vinny. Uh, Vince, we're going to be talking, watching hockey. That's a segment we've done a couple of times before, and uh, that will be coming up later in the show, so stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Dougie Wickenheiser, the first overall, and uh, maybe some other, you know, as it relates to uh, newsworthy items these days, Connor Bedard, projected number one overall. Yuri Slavkovsky, the most recent number one overall, who's now injured and out for the done for the season. Um, but let's just uh, let's just get into Dougie Wickenheiser for a second. Now he's a player that you probably like. I don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, I know a little bit about him. He's related to Haley Wickenheiser. I know that. Is that her dad? I don't think uh, it's her dad. Uh, I would say uncle. like an uncle, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an uncle. Yeah. Um. And I do know that he's from Regina, Saskatchewan. He played for the Regina Pats, much like a projected number one pick for next season. Connor Bedard plays for the Regina Pats. Um, And yeah, it was the 1980 uh, entry draft. Montreal had the first overall pick. uh, And they took 
they took Doug Wickenheiser, who is listed as, you know, six foot one, 200 pound center. So, you know, Montreal was thinking, hey, big center. <laughs> Sound familiar? Big guy plays center. Yeah. Let's take him. Um, they had that thought. I don't know if that's what they're thinking with Slavkovsky, uh, but they had that thought with Jasperi Kokinyemi, who they drafted, what, third overall or something recently, kind of went off the board. It feels like Montreal does like these, they get these high drafts and they like take a chance, go off the board a little bit. Uh, Wickenheiser. I don't know who else was in that 1980 entry draft. Um, uh, Paul Coffey went sixth overall. So there you go. I mean, yeah, yeah Coffey. Uh, Dave Babich went second overall to the Jets, actually. Denny Savard went to Chicago third overall. Larry Murphy, number four to L.A. So a pretty stacked top four. Montreal, I mean, maybe the scouts were all saying this. Doug Wickenheiser, big center, can't miss. Because those next couple guys are all D. Well, D- Denny Savard wasn't D, but, you know. Um, y- Yeri Curry and Bernie Nichols went in round four. But actually, we should. Pr- this is a perfect time to tease yeah. A, re- a redraft episode that we're going to do next week about where we're going to go through. We're going to pick a year and maybe even some of the listeners can tell us what year we yeah. should do. And then we'll do a redraft. So say for instance, a perfect example, and I'll do this quickly. Doug Wickenheiser went first overall to the Montreal Canadians. But if you could do it all over again, would you pick Paul Coffey? Would you pick Yerry Curry? You know, go down the list and you'd, yeah. you'd do a re- you do a redraft. So that's what we'll do next week. Uh, drop into our or no slide into our DMs and, t- <laughs> and and tell us what year we should redraft, and then we'll go for it. Yeah, that nineteen eighty draft when you sort it by games played, pretty you're like, oh wow, there's some you know some uh, heavy hitters of the eighties. Uh, in there, obviously, you know, uh, Bernie Nichols, he went uh, 73rd overall. Uh, the guy with the most games played from that draft, Larry Murphy. Uh, so, and he had a, a yeah, yeah, I mean, he had a a, a long career. Um, but here, here's the little rundown, the summary, if you will, of uh, Doug Wickenheiser's career. 556 games in the NHL, 276 points. So, you know, almost or around uh, a half a game, a half a point per game. He had 111 career goals. Um, so four years, 202 games with the Montreal Canadiens before they uh, traded him. And he went to uh, St. Louis and he spent four years in St. Louis, 230 games. Then he had uh, 43 games in Washington, 80 games in uh, Vancouver. And one game with the New York Rangers. Uh, scored one goal in his one game with the Rangers, and uh, that was um, that, that's all, all they wanted wrote for him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah we got we got what we needed. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Move along. Um, he did add uh, forty-one playoff games in his career. Scored eleven points in those. Um, but yeah, he wore number 14 uh, for St. Louis from 83 to 87. He wore it for for Vancouver in 87, 88. And he wore it with the Rangers in his one game, 88, 89. The rest of the time, you know, he had 25 with Montreal. He had 17 for a minute there. And he had 18 when he was with Washington. So yeah, Dougie Wickenheiser, uh, Probably not the best first overall pick that Montreal could have has ever had. I think they they've had a couple. They had Guy Lafleur. Was he not a, a first overall? Uh, that guy worked out pretty good. Uh, Doug Wickenheiser 
and now they've had Yuri Slavkovsky. Jury's still out on him. He's, uh, like I mentioned there, he got uh, injured recently and is done for the season or three months or whatever they're saying. Won't need surgery. Um, but uh, there's been a lot of talk in Montreal Canadian circles about his development and how his rookie season is going, which maybe it hasn't been the greatest yet. You know, uh, he, what he, he scored, what, like 10 points in his 39 games that he, he played this season, four goals, six assists, um, limited minutes, you know, he'd skate nine, 10 minutes a game, pretty much on the fourth line. Um, so he's not necessarily playing with your Nick Suzuki's and Cole Caulfield's who's also now done for the season. Um, Montreal did not send him to the world juniors to play for team Slovakia who had a pretty successful world juniors. I would say, um, you know, um, he could have been a big part of that, but they, they thought it best that he did not go and he stayed in the NHL. Um, what do you think, Randy did, did like, with Slavkovsky, like, do you think that Montreal, and, and and maybe with first overalls in general, we look at Alexi Lafreniere recently, um, who has yet to really kind of pop and make that impact. Is there too much pressure on first overalls that they have to stay in the NHL? Like, would it be so bad to put them in the AHL or or something like that, or back to junior for a year? Or I think on the surface it looks it doesn't look good, but. You know, if you think about it, maybe he, they wanted him to kind of get the Montreal Canadiens experience. And yeah. if he's going to be a big part of the core in like two, three years, get him into the mix with like St. Louis as the coach and like around around the franchise and around the, you know, the folks and, you know, the history of of um uh, the Canadians. And also like if they're building a young core with Suzuki and Caulfield, uh, you know, and um, who's that defenseman? Uh, Gooley? Caden Gooley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and they like, got they... Morgan Barron's brother, Justin, who's possibly better than just, or Morgan, I think. He's the he's the the more highly touted brother. Like maybe, maybe the goal is just like, yeah, sure, he's not going to, put up Calder uh, winning the numbers, but it's to maybe just create that bond between the, the, uh, the core that they hope, um, you know, is their core for the future. Um, but yeah, like it, it's tough. Like, even if you think about <clears throat> uh, back to 2011, when the Winnipeg Jets drafted Mark Shifley, although he wasn't first overall, it, it seemed like Shifley was a bit of a bust at bit first a, because yeah. he, he couldn't make the team. And it's like, you know, here in Winnipeg, we all wanted like success quickly. Um, well, and especially that first year, right? He's yeah. the first first pick that they had and stuff like that for so sure. I think it took it took a couple seasons, but you know, it, you know, in hindsight, patience paid off. And look at Mark Shifley; he's what score? He's like a a point per game player for like scored two goals player. on uh, Saturday against uh, Ottawa to put him at what 28, 28 29 think, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Goals um, so for the yeah, year. Yeah. First overall, too, like you have to think, you know, it's such a grind to get to that point. Yeah. Uh and then it's it's a, it's a even tougher grind to to make it and stay there. Um may and maybe sometimes, you know, and you know, we can see what happens uh uh like based off of last year's draft when 
Shane Wright was expected to go first and he ended up going fourth. So is the pressure off of Shane Wright more because, you know, like I I feel there's like a a big part of it is the mental aspect of it where it's like the pressure gets too strong. Maybe the same case with uh, Lafreniere. Um, There's just too much pressure obviously going to the Rangers, a huge market. Maybe, maybe it'd be a little different if he was playing in Arizona, but you have to think that um, there's just a certain type of player like McDavid or Crosby, you know, those players that are, they just bona- come in and score a hundred points in yeah. their rookie season and never bonafide, look back. Bonafide number ones. Yeah. And they're the mental aspect. They're just so strong mentally that yeah. their house could be on fire and they'd be like, okay, yeah, like, yeah you know, I'm fine. Fine. Here's our fire <laughs> escape plan. Everybody yeah. stay calm. Yeah. Uh, he's not yeah. George Costanza, you know, <laughs> yeah. pushing Run, running, running out first. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, well, you, you have to think that, um, you know, ultimately, you know, you have to be patient, but yeah, yeah. right now it's, it's, you know, it, it's not looking great, but that, I think that Montreal's mental... building for the next three years anyways. For sure. They're, they got no, they got no plans this year or next year really aside than to develop, but that mental aspect is probably a big part of it. You're right. Because Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, these guys were in the limelight in Canada from the time they're like 14 years old. Everybody's talking about them. Yuri Slavkovsky, nobody heard of him until, you know, the draft. Until the the second they called his name pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like he's over there in Slovakia doing his thing, whatever. So, Part of I think Montreal's plan is bring them over to North America, get acclimatized to both North American life, the the North American hockey game, which is a, a different game than European. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a lot that goes into it. I think uh, that Montreal is kind of considering there, and they, I think they've said, you know, they didn't care about his point production. They just want him kind of immersed in the in the culture and the team and stuff like you said. You know, kind of getting growing that way and he's 18 years old or whatever he is right so yeah um there's a lot of you know a lot of living to be done so there's no rush with him uh it's unfortunate that he is now out for basically the season um because that's not good for his development but you know uh whatever he'll uh still be around the team i'm sure training and all that kind of stuff so two things before we throw to our first song here uh we got a couple minutes to go um number one um Montreal has two shots at the first overall yeah. pick this year because they get Florida Panthers pick and it's not um, lottery protected. And right. if, if Montreal slips down the standings a bit more with these injuries, then there's the the potential is there. Um, but number two, um, you mentioned Doug Wickenheiser and his you know days playing for the Regina Pats, just like Connor Bedard. I would say Connor Bedard is likely going to be a player that comes right in and, and plays quite well and, yeah. and hand, handles the league. But if you look at um, Doug Wickenheiser's page uh, on Hockey DB, our, our good friends at Hockey DB, um, in his last season, 71 games played, 170 points. Well, no wonder they picked him first overall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like 170 points WHL. in the dub, yeah, that's that's yeah. unreal. Yeah. So what do you what do you think? Bedard comes in and he just uh, handles it like McDavid and Crosby, or or what? What's, I think what's so. Um, like, I mean, I think so. Just everything that I've seen of him at the World Juniors, um, and just like looking at what he's been able to do in the Junior League in, in Regina and 
the sort of like how touted he's been for his whole, you know, young life or whatever. Um, I could see him coming in as an 18 year old rookie to the NHL and being able to handle it, you know, whether or not he puts up a point per game kind of thing. I, you know, if he gets, if he gets 50, 60 points, then I think that would be like pretty good. Anything more would be like, right on you know I, I don't know i i think he's i think he's the kind of guy who's going to be able to come in and handle it right away yeah but. like a lot of people say well everybody says like hockey players lack personality but like a guy like crosby and mcdavid how they're so like stoic and mm. like you know what i mean like they're i think because they're just so built to perform that nothing phases them and it seems like Connor Bedard is like that. Like he's like, he just like broke a million records at the world juniors. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we, in and then post- in his post game interview, he's like, it's not about me. It's yeah. about the team, but he's so composed too. Like, you know, like yeah. I, I feel like there's only a few, like a few of those types of players that we've seen over the years. And it seems like Connor Bedard is somebody that he's from again, that mold. Yeah. yeah he, he could yeah. handle the pressure where yeah. like Shane, Wright, Like it, it seemed like, you know, it, it phased him a bit that he didn't go first overall or, mm-hmm. and also like they talked about Shane, right. A few years in advance. And maybe that's not a good thing. Cause maybe you get comfortable. Oh, like Craig buttons tell like saying on TSN that I'm going to go first overall in two years. So like my work here is done, you know? Yeah. Well, and then he unfortunately had basically the COVID years as his like 17 and 18 year old seasons or 16 and 17, whatever it kind of was. So he didn't get to really play a whole lot of hockey um, because the OHL season was canceled and all this other stuff. So that certainly would have affected him in his development in those kind of prime development years. But, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I forget. I think someone said it was a mistake that he didn't go to Europe to play. Is that, I think. Right. And that yeah. was, there was talk about that, but I yeah. mean, like hindsight's 2020, like, yeah. and, and I think, you know, Shane Wright at the world juniors showed he's a, he's a good hockey player. Yeah. You that know? backhand snipe in the finals. Like, yeah. yeah. He knows what so, he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, I think for anybody adjusting to the pro game would be, it's a step. Right. Yeah. And like, it's just, it, it takes some guys maybe more time to figure it out or whatever. And, you know, I, I think uh, I, I just have a feeling that Bedard is going to be one of those guys who figures it out and they kind of, yeah, he's like you say, he's got that sort of like same personality in the mold of McDavid Crosby, the kind of thing where, yeah, um, you know, there you, you, you can have all the skill in the world, but you won't last a week in the NHL if you don't put the work in. And, you know, he seems like a guy who's like willing to put that work in or whatever. So, yeah. Um, um, so we got to throw to throw to the song here in one second, but uh, also it, Seattle looks like they're doing just fine uh, yeah. <laughs> without Shane. Right. And maybe that, that ends up being a bonus uh, in the future. You know, they're a more established team and he comes in next totally. year and, and yeah. fits in a little better, but yeah. anyways, uh, great. You know, Doug Wickenheiser, um, likely related to Haley. Uh, <laughs> but you know that was a great great selection for this episode tom so what song are we gonna play now well we've got a song on the theme of number one and it's harry nilson classic harry nilson from 1968 
This guy, I mean, he he made some number one hits, but uh, he was known for writing songs for others who turned them into number one hits. But this is a Harry Nilsson tune called One, and you probably know it as done by, like, you know, other bands, Three Dog Night and somebody else. But anyway, here's the Harry Nilsson version on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one It's the loneliest number since the number one No is the saddest experience you'll ever know Yes, it's the saddest experience you'll ever know Because one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do One is the loneliest number that you'll ever know It's just no good anymore since you went away Now I spend my time just making rhymes of yesterday Because one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do That was Harry Nilsson with his song One, and it is the loneliest number if you're a first overall pick, and uh, you don't quite, br- uh, you know, butter the bread like a McDavid or a Crosby, a la Dougie Wickenheiser there. But um, Randy, I think we're going to move on here. We got uh, some breaking news uh, by the time you're listening to this. It won't be so breaking, but Bruce Boudreaux has officially been fired by the Vancouver Canucks and replaced by... Uh, Rick Tockett, former coach of such notable squadrons as the Phoenix Coyotes. Um, he did coach in Tampa. I think he was an assistant there, uh, or was he a head coach? Um, but he's a, he won a Stanley Cup with Mario's Pittsburgh Penguins back in like 91, 92. Had a long career as a player. Uh, I, I think he got another cup or two as a coach. Um, whether that was as an assistant with Phoenix or with uh, 
Pittsburgh or with Tampa. I can't recall exactly, but um, what do you think of the whole, I mean, more than Rick Tockett, I mean, whatever, he's new, he's the new coach of the Canucks, but more than him, it's about the situation with Boudreaux and how that all unfolded. And it was the most bizarre sort of thing. Like I've never really seen anything in sports, let alone hockey, where a coach has been fired in this way that everybody has been talking about him being fired and replaced for like a week or two weeks or whatever. And just kind of before we were recording, we even said, you know what? It even goes back to the off season when there was like, are we going to give Boudreaux a contract or not? And then they gave him a one-year contract. So what do you think of the whole situation, the way it unfolded here? It's, it's just, it's bizarre to me. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that, like that again, but um, it was, you know, it was pretty touching to see, you know, the fans uh, chant the, Bruce, there Bruce, it is. Bruce, there it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. then apparently, apparently, uh, the the Canucks all went into Bruce's office yesterday after the game, one by one, to to say goodbye to him, and mm. they they all had tears in their eyes and stuff. So, uh, you know, it's a tough go in Vancouver. Uh, I remember you and I calling uh the Vancouver Canucks as <laughs> Canada's uh, team to watch a couple of years ago. And yeah, maybe they were at one point, but at one, uh, yeah, a couple yeah. years ago they had some mojo, but uh, it just seems to have fallen off. Um, yeah. You know, Bo, Bo Horvat is likely on the way out that, you know, their whole core. Brock um, Bezer never really kind of turned into what a lot of people thought he was gonna, you know, yeah. Um, Unfortunately, they got stuck with Tyler Myers and uh, Tucker Pullman. <laughs> yeah, well, Tucker and then they, injured, they made but... some questionable um, signings and and salary choices, bringing in Oliver Ekman Larson and a his big salary. Losing Markstrom um, actually was probably yeah they lost Markstrom. Yeah. Although Demko has Dem- been good, yeah. uh, not this year particularly, yeah. but and he's uh, injured. Um, but. Uh, and then the other one, JT Miller. So they chose to sign him to a long-term big money deal, yeah. which now means essentially their captain, Bo Horvat, you know, it's he's done. on his way out. It looks yeah. like, um, so a pretty bizarre situation in Vancouver in general. And then to cap it off with the way that this whole Boudreaux situation was handled on being, uh, you know, unceremoniously sort of trotted out in front of the media, all the secrets aired in public, um, and yeah, so like to uh, Sunday, uh, they they announced officially that he's been fired and and replaced with Rick Tockett. But like, um, yeah, it's it's uh, I just never really seen anything like that. And no, it, it's like you know I'm I'm not a Canucks fan, but that that sucks to see. Uh, yeah, you know that that I feel for for Boudreaux. Um, and I'm also quite interested to see what's going to happen next game. Um, I, I, you know, Vancouver uh, Canucks fans are are passionate fans. I'm sure they're going to have some interesting signs or chants or something. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, also, moving forward, you know, is Rick Tockett the guy to bring the Vancouver right. Canucks to the promised land? I I don't know. Well, here's a, here's an interesting actually little development that I'm just reading about now that they also hired Adam Foote as an assistant coach and Sergei Gonchar as a, oh, yeah. uh, as an assistant coach. Yeah. Uh, both. Yeah. Notable former NHL players. Um, so maybe that's just something 
you know, they thought that they needed to have in their room was the presence of three guys who are younger than Boudreaux. Boudreaux's 68 years old, um, you know, and the guys they hired are probably more like 50 or whatever. Uh, and so they've, you know, former NHL players a little more recently than, than what Boudreaux would have been, uh, big presences, you know, talk it known as a, I think he's known as a bit of a hard ass, um, you know, uh, and the, the, it sounds like he's not there to make friends as it were. He's there to kind of choose who, what players are going to be part of the team going forward, because I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a bit of a fire sale in Vancouver, uh, you know, as they uh, trade deadline comes along and they, they maybe want to sell some parts off and get some draft picks and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's uh they, they could it, fall. They could fall a little further too. And then they're, they're kind of in the Connor Bedard stakes. In the mix. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, not a bad year to, you know, have high draft picks or multiple first round draft picks. So that actually might be hard to pry out of other teams as first round draft picks, just because everybody knows it's supposed to be a very deep draft or whatever. So um, with the, with the ultimate prize being Connor Bedard, but you know, the Canucks have lost nine of their last 10, you yeah. know, they're, they're not uh, uh, trending up. That's for sure. They did look sharp though, last night in those black uh, flying skate uniforms yeah. that they were wearing. Uh, some of my favorite uniforms in the league for sure. So well, also um, uh, in a bit of a tribute, I don't know if it was just coincidence, but with Gino Ojic just passing away, right? And, and those were kind of the the same style of jersey that that he yeah, wore when he was on exactly, the yeah, yeah, probably more coincidence than anything, but uh, pretty cool nonetheless. And so, quick question yeah, so, for you but before we move on to a couple other uh, thoughts, yeah, but what do you think of this move? It's like the you just said Canucks have lost nine of their last 10. They're slowly working their way closer to last and last overall, or like at least in the bottom three division and yeah, give them a good, good shot at, at Bedard. But sometimes a new coaching change tends to sparks the team, spark the team. What happens if Tockett comes in <laughs> and then the Canucks go on a heater <laughs> yeah, and then they get the then, Bruce bump. And then they uh, then they finished kind of like right in the middle, and they don't really get a good pick. And you know, it's like, yeah, yeah it's what do you think? Um, I think it'll depend on what they do with the trade deadline. If they start moving parts out, then even if they do play, start playing like you know, well or whatever, like they might just not have the 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 team to to really make a, a an impact, a difference in the standings. Um, but, and it's the time of year when like the teams who are real, they really start buckling down, you know, and, and, and grinding towards the playoffs or whatever. So, so the teams, the, there, there tends to be a little bit more separation from here on out, you know, between the teams, you know, you know, who's for real and you know, who's not. So, um, I think, I think with Rick Tockett coming in at this point of the season, it's almost really more about like building forward I, yeah. I think they're probably they're probably at the point where they're like they know it's a lost season so yeah but that would be you know kind of i don't know if irony is the right word but yeah if they get that coaching 
coaching change bump. And then yeah. all of a sudden they win 10 in a row. And, yeah, exactly. Oh, look out. Here come the Canucks, you know? Yeah. Uh, but so... then they just missed the playoffs, you know? Like, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of teams who are kind of on the cusp of the playoffs, the Calgary Flames, they, um, you know, they're, they're a team who have, uh, have not met expectations this year. They are um, currently sitting ninth in the West. Uh, Colorado has jumped above them. And Colorado also has games in hand on Calgary. Um, You know, Calgary has been decent of late. And they did beat Tampa 6-3 last night, uh, Saturday night. Or Saturday day, I guess it was. Um, But I guess what I want to get at in, in terms of Calgary and the coaching and whatever... Did you catch Daryl Sutter's um, post-game comments about his the rookie in the lineup last uh, for the Flames? Uh, Pelche J- is it Jacob Pelche? I believe. Yeah, he's a first-round pick of Calgary. J- um, j- just like Sutter, I don't know the kid's name either. <laughs> <laughs> but he yeah, like exactly. sh- he shuffled through his notes or something, and he he, uh... he, t- he puts his glasses on and gets out the game sheet. <clears throat> And yeah, scans down and he says, uh, what number is he? And then he goes and reads all the stats on his stat line. And then he says, you know, classic, just Daryl Sutter, like it's 21 long way to go. That's all he (laughs) says, right? (laughs) So, um, you know, there's a, I think, I think Calgary, I don't know, like on the one hand, you know what you're getting with Daryl Sutter. Right. And that's what it is. But on the other hand, it's like, this is a, a first round pick that you want to sort of maybe develop into a regular piece of your team. Who's probably, you know, he's got offensive upside. He played for, he played for team Canada uh, and the juniors, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, uh, yeah, he's 21. He's listed at five, nine, one sixty. Uh, not a big guy, but he is, you know, uh, he's got offensive, offensive uh, talents, and that's why they drafted him in the first round. You know, twenty uh, sixth overall back in twenty nineteen. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But just some classic Daryl Sutter for you. <laughs> uh, I want to I want to do something quickly here, and this is almost going to be like a rapid fire okay. thing for you. And I'm going to just go through the Canadian teams, and I want you to tell me if they're doing better or worse than you uh, imagined for this season okay. and, and one quick thought about them, we'll finish, sure. we'll finish with, uh, with the jets. Um, and then we'll do what, one last thought on the, on the jets and then we'll throw to our next song. So, good. uh, c- going from the bottom and we've, we've already talked about Vancouver quite a bit, but just, if you think back to the beginning of the season, Vancouver, are they doing worse or better than you thought they were? And what's a, a quick thought about the Canucks? Okay, yeah, worse than I thought they would do. Um, and one quick thought is WTF. <laughs> like... <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> Montreal Canadiens, they're they're uh, uh, well, Vancouver's in twenty seventh overall. Montreal's in twenty sixth overall. What do you think of the Habs? I think Montreal's basically doing as good as I thought they might. Um, and they actually maybe are doing better than I thought they might. Um, and one quick thought on them. Uh, I would, I would have to go with like a, a thought, like, um, you know, stay the course, uh, you know, 
Dra- be, be uh, patient. Yeah, be patient. Stay the yeah. course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one spot ahead of them is the Ottawa Senators. Worse than I thought they would do. I thought they maybe would take a bit more of a step forward this year. Um, and they brought in Cam Talbot. The goaltending has been not as good as it needs to be. Offensively, I think they're fine. It's on the defensive side of the puck and the goaltending. Ottawa's just not been very good. Yeah, even with Giroux and Debrinket coming in too, I thought they were going to be better. Yeah. Uh, jumping up to 17th in the league, Calgary Flames. I think they're worse than I thought they would be this year. Um, they they obviously, they like had a big offseason, a lot of shakeup going on there. And everybody was talking about Calgary. They had a great year last year. Um, but they just, they, uh, they have failed to impress. Yeah. I and think again, they... like Markstrom has not been great. Um, yeah. and, uh, their offense has sputtered. Yeah. So. They, they took a big step backwards. I think, yeah. uh, uh, 11th overall in the league, the Edmonton Oilers. I'd say they're right about where I figured they'd be. Um, you know, and they're on a heater right now, which, uh, yeah, they've won six I, in know, a row. Yeah, they're going to be a playoff team, and mm-hmm. I think they're like a decent team. They are a bit of a one or two line team, you know, and everybody knows that. But um, if they can add, if they can add some sort of, I don't know, like grit, or they don't need scoring, they got that. They but they need like somebody to come just play solid minutes and be a plus player, you know, and uh, whether that's on defense or like a second, third line type of person, I don't know. But they gotta, they gotta beef up. The, beef up the depth a little bit somehow. Well, I think Seattle took a lot of people by surprise too, having that one extra good team in the Pacific. Yeah. Uh, Jumping up to sixth overall is the Winnipeg Jets, but we'll skip past them to finish with them. And then third overall in the league is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, What do you think? They're they're probably actually better than I thought they would be, which um, I know everybody is like, and by everybody, I kind of mean like the media. They're all very stoked on the Leafs being this good and they were building them up and they've actually kind of probably exceeded what I thought maybe they would be this year. Um, you know, they're a good team. They're there. Uh, everybody had questions about Samsonov and Murray that uh, like to become their goalies this year. And they've been good. Uh, it's hard to, I mean, aside from just generally disliking the Leafs, it's hard to find a fault with them. (laughs) Okay, now jumping back to sixth overall in the league, but the only one one of two teams with 30 wins so far in the NHL. Yes. That's your Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, they've been better than I thought, and I think they've been better than almost everybody's thought. And, um, you know, I think the obvious answer is Rick Bonus, but, you know, Connor Hellebuck has been very, very good, except for – his uh he had a couple you know in his last uh in the last two weeks he's had a couple stinky games but um he's been solid and then you know you got Shifley with almost 30 goals already Kyle Connor doing his thing PLD playing like a beast and uh you know Josh Morrissey aka Josh Norrissey um you kind of just have to like what's going on with the Jets if you're a Jets fan and you just hope that they can keep it going. Yeah. Steady as she goes. Does, um, does anyone remember Kyle Connor's slow start? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I do is because I've got him on my fantasy league team. Oh. And for the first couple of weeks of fantasy hockey season, I was like, KFC, start scoring some goals, man. You're killing me here. But you know, he's now he's he's great. So it, yeah. it's crazy 
to think like every game he just looks like he's getting better. Um, yeah. And also this season is now it you know fully reminding me of that 2017-2018 season. The Jets had a phenomenal season, but yeah. Nashville was just one better than them. You know, Dallas just seems to be able to stay just ahead of the Jets lately. Uh, yeah. And then also uh, in in the sense of the entire league, the Boston Bruins are, are just running away with things. Boston is like on such a unreal tear this year. It's kind of mind blowing. And the Jets have only played them the once, I believe. And they lost like three, two or something. It was a yeah. tight game, if I recall correctly. I think Boston's so, on pace to break the all time points record or something. I forget. Which they're, they're, I think is held by Montreal, right? Yeah. Or Detroit, maybe in the like the that. Great oh, team. if it's points. Yeah. 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 Um, um, but anyways, we're, we're out of time for this segment. So uh, that was a quick little lap around Canada brought to you nice. by Air like Canada. Yeah. Quick, <laughs> a quick coast to coast. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back with uh, Vince with our talk and watch and hockey segment. But before we go there, we're going to listen to a song by the Sheepdogs. This is their song, So Far Gone. This one goes out to, to Bruce Boudreaux, who is now so far gone from Vancouver that, uh, you know, it ain't even funny. So uh, this is Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show, and you're listening to the Sheepdogs. And just kidding, we're not sponsored by Air Canada, but if you're listening. <laughs> Don't ever leave me. Don't you deceive me. All night long. Up and gone. So far gone by the Sheepdogs and folks, it is now time for talking, watching hockey. We're joined here by Vince, and uh, yeah, Vince, thanks for coming and being on the show. 
Thank you. How's it going? Oh, uh, beauty, I would say. Uh, we, we, uh, we've got a handful of questions. You got your notes lined up on little pieces of paper here. And I just, I don't want, we don't, we don't got a lot of time to, to mess around. So let's dive right in, Vince. We're talking, watching hockey. What are we watching right now? So one of the things I'm watching, and I finally figured out how to watch past games, past the 24-hour mark. I know that it's been a bit of a point oh, of contention I was like, with I was you. Really, so. I'm still upset that they black out Jets games a little bit longer. But yeah, no, so I figured that out. So the first thing I did when I figured it out is I watched this game from November 5th, this UC Soros-Thatcher-Demco battle, and it just made me want to watch more UC Soros and more Nashville Predators. And I realized I like smash mouth forward hockey. The, the hockey that I've been watching, I've been watching Nashville, Minnesota, Seattle, and the Avalanche and the Hurricanes are the ones. And what I like notice, it's like big forecheck, big hits. The Avs have hitters. Lekkonen, Nakushkin back, Rantanen, Landeskog, they're, if he ever comes back. They're all like, very big boys. They're just big boys. And I'm like, I like little movable defensemen skating around carrying the puck and are like big forward smashing into people wow. and i really like that style of hockey and that sums up the minnesota wild actually perfectly like yeah 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 that's awesome yeah yeah jordan greenway he's a big yeah. boy and they and just added ryan reeves i mean he doesn't play a lot of minutes but he's a big boy. yeah erickson eck like and and even like even even the thrill like the thrill Kirill Kaprizov, like he dollar dollar bill. Yeah, yeah. Like he is skating around. He is a skill player. Zuccarello, those guys are not scared of like roughing it up, hitting. And Felino too. And Felino, yeah. yeah. And, and it's just like it's just a different style. Like just looking at these, like just like you know, Carrier for Nashville, Gerard for. The Avalanche is like these little mobile defensemen that can skate around. They have offensive capabilities. And then you have these big guys just smashing into people. So would you say the Jets, like, because they've got big bodies up front, but are, is, are they maybe not the same type of forecheck as some of those teams? No, like, that's the thing with the Jets is I don't, like, they don't smash the same way. And I even think, like, the earlier Jets, like, when the Jets just, like, when they just came out of the Southeast, right? Like when that one year, and they were big guys. Like, you know, when they, uh, what's his name? Perot, like they had those guys, you know, even Armia. Armia. Yeah. Like they just, they would have some guys that would smash in. I think the Jets are a skill team. Like I think they have like Morrissey's a skill guy. But I was really interested in that Toronto Jets matchup because to me on paper, they're like almost exactly the same team. And so, like, I wanted to see how they matched up because I actually think the Jets are better on paper. That was a funny game because the Jets really actually carried the play in most of that game. They highly outshot, outchanced Toronto, but Toronto, well, you know, Matthews, snipe, snipe, and then that uh, the shorthandy goal by Marner, which was also a snipe, and... Who would have thunk that Samsonov would kind of win the battle of the goaltending, but that's really what it was, yeah. Well, and and you look at, like, the Jets in Toronto, and it, like, it moves into this other theme that I'm, I, like, I've been thinking about, is, like, the Jets in Toronto, they have K 
like they haven't had a lot of moving parts. They've kind of like these are the players, little twingling like little things on the edges. And when I think like the team of the Carolina Hurricanes, they're like it didn't work. We're going to like we're going to throw it around, you yeah. know, like let's get in patch ready, let's get in burns. This guy this like Jalen Chatfield who plays defense for them. It was just like, where did he come from? Why? Like, I was a big Ethan Bear fan. I really liked him in Edmonton when he went to Carolina. I'm like, this is good. Carolina's like, this is a good defenseman. And he couldn't make the lineup in the playoffs. And I'm like, what's going on? And then this year, they were like, Jalen Chatfield, undrafted from Vancouver. He he mm-hmm. plays their minutes. And it's like, they just threw him into the mix. Does like 15 to 20 minutes a game. He's offensive. He's kind of big. He stands up. He's a Michigan guy, and he's like, and then Ethan Bear's just gone. I, I think he, he's playing well in Vancouver, but it was just like teams that mix it up, like just like throw it like this isn't working. We're not going to stick it. We're going to. Yeah, they like, like they kept the coach. They kept the system and all that, but they just changed out some parts. And, you know, they've got like their Sebastian Ajo kind yeah. of down in Terravine, up the middle and up front or whatever. Sebastian well, Ryder, right? Lena Ryder is there. He's, a, he's yeah. a big guy. He well, scored he, goals for them. And then he's like, they're like, oh, no, you're gone. Like, yeah. we're not going to, we have a certain level. You went to level. Nashville? He's in Nashville. Right. Yeah. And you just mentioned Pacioretty and unfortunately he's actually yeah, out yeah. again. He came back. And for that like was like, that games. was their goal scorer, right? Who's going to get that goal that like the past couple of playoffs, they've had fairly decent runs but they haven't been able to put that timely goal and I think they're looking at Pacioretty to be it so yeah um really quickly just before we move into this last part I was looking at the ghost bear Shane Gostas bear just because he's that like mobile defenseman that I'm kind of always like I watched him in the frozen four like as he made made it to the I think it was 2014 like the Frozen Four, he wins it with Union College. And then it's just like, what happens to him? He's like, I think he was 12th overall or something like that. He's a good player, disappears. He's in Arizona. It's like, what's he doing? He's playing on the offside for Chikrin. You know, like he's mm. like, he's a good player, but another mobile defenseman. Is he small? He's like 5'11". Oh, so he's not super yeah. big. So he's like Morrissey probably? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so the time has come. For me to finally ask this question that's been on my mind for maybe two or three seasons. And this is my first opportunity to actually ask somebody. And I only ask Vinny because Vinny is a Red Wings follower, fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my question for you, Dylan, Lar- what, what's the deal with Dylan Larkin? And but what I mean by that is I thought like he was a guy that I always thought I would want on my team. And it just seems like the last two years... Uh, and I don't know if it's like the games that we're seeing or what or the coverage, but it just seems like you never hear about Dylan Larkin anymore. So I was thinking about that because I was like, what's the deal? Is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? And I would say that like Dylan Larkin is a really good hockey player. He's like, the captain. He's, he's a captain. The... He's a hard worker. He has the skills. He's a shooter. I, I was listening to this interview. I think it's like I do listen to the Kipper and Bourne show from time to time. And they had... Um, they had a, a Detroit guy, and it's gone from my head. But it was they were asking about Dylan Larkin. He was like, "Well, Dylan, like, when Dylan Larkin's the second line center, then your team will be better." And I think like one of the things with Dylan Larkin is like, when do we see him? When when do you like Detroit's been irrelevant for yeah. three four years? He came into the league at the very end of 
the Zetterberg run. Like, I think Datsuk was already gone. He scored 23 goals and had 45 points his rookie season. I, like, compared him to Braden Point, another center drafted the same year. And they're like, Braden Point's better. He's got more goals, but it's comparable. Like, it's, like, over 546 games for Dylan Larkin. It's 162 and 399 for points. And, like, for 462 for Braden Point because he started the year late, like a... He was in the minor leagues for one more year. He's at 194, 417. So it's not like outrageous given the fact that Braden points on an offensive dynamo and one team is much better yeah. than the other yeah. in the time that they've been in the league together. And, and like, I think the thing with Dylan Larkin is like, this is what happens when you miss two Olympic cycles. This is what happens when you don't have, don't have like a world cup. Like, when do you get a chance to see him? If he's the third-line center on a USA Olympic team behind, like, um, behind Matthews, Matthews and Eichel, Eichel yeah. you're, or he can play <clears throat> wing, if he's, like, Matthews' line mate, then, you, then you're going to, like, then you start talking about him the way Bergeron, you talk about Bergeron, who is, like, Crosby's line mate. Like, yeah. you just, like, he has so much more exposure. Yeah. If he's just, like, a really good hockey player on the worst team in the league, well, yeah. When are you going to notice him? Is he still the face of the franchise, or or is it like the is it like cider and uh, like is there a new wave yeah, of coming? Raymond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, so, Raymond. he so he's he is the captain. So like you see cider, you see Raymond, you see like um, Vlano, Zadina, like you see new guys coming in. Um, even like Kubalik is playing super well. The big thing with the, what's going on with him is he's an unrestricted free agent next year so he doesn't have a contract so it's like what's going to happen and you saw with stevy with Stamkos, like he's okay with not signing him yeah. until the off season so what do you think is going to happen do you know. think he remains a detroit red wing like i think it's like it's really it'd be interesting to see if he wasn't a detroit red wing just because he is a michigan guy he is like a hard worker it's not like there's nothing wrong with his play like i think he loves the franchise and would do anything like to yeah. do it um for it and so i think i think he's a guy that could end up as the third line center of a really good team well it's interesting because the trade deadline's coming up detroit's kind of like are they selling are they not he's the captain of the team a, a bo horvat situation except in vancouver it's for sure bo's going yeah. but well, it looks like we're just about at any time so uh so talking watching hockey but i think officially i want to add What's the deal with <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. R2? Uh, and so what was the song you wanted to play? Well, so so I I really, like, I grew up liking the Detroit Red Wings. It was, but I lived in Deloraine. I didn't see them. I followed them through the papers on the radio. I saw them play against the Western Conference, against the Edmonton Oilers in one of the 90s when the Oilers were making it. And Stevie I, Y was there, and I was like, that's my team. So I never really got into watching them. I went into college. I kind of missed them through their heyday a little bit. Um, but I picked up their 2008-2009 run and, and was just like, every time, end of the game, journey, don't stop believing. Was that their win song? Or their that win? was their win song. Nice. Everybody, oh, they good. all would shout, like, born and, born and raised in South Detroit. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like they would just sing it. Well, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in to Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. That was Talking, Ho Talking, Watching Hockey with Vince. 
at What's the Deal with Dylan Larkin. Uh, and here is Journey. Don't stop believing. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Going anywhere Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He took the midnight train Share the night, it goes on. 